Mahalo Ben and worship team and Hui Polly for leading us in worship. Hui Polly is one of four fellowships in InterVarsity Hawaii, so that's pretty exciting that most of them were, many of them were here today. And I think you might have heard they also got to share that song at Urbana in a conference with uh, like 15,000 people. So that was pretty exciting. So it's exciting for me to have you guys here represent Polynesia, Pacific Islanders. And I love that song. It's a simple song, but I think we all know the power of those words, Holy Spirit come. We all know that we need more of God's presence. We all know that we need more of God's power. Amen? So it's a simple prayer, and that song, if you didn't know, was birthed during a Hui Pali fellowship. They just started singing, and it turned into this huge thing with the nations dancing and singing. And we are really thankful that Hui Pali is a place where they can bring together faith and culture and worship freely in who God has made them to be in their language, in their music, in their dance. And so it's great that we could merge that a little bit today. And a few weeks ago, we had the Holy Spirit fire, I mean, Holy Spirit fire at the Holy Spirit retreat. Who was there? Woohoo! Yeah, that was an exciting, awesome retreat. And we got to experience and learn about the Holy Spirit's gifts and also the Holy Spirit experience. And during that time of um, impartation at the end of the retreat, it was really, really powerful. So we also studied 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And at the end of chapter 12, which is a great chapter on all the spiritual gifts, the Apostle Paul says, the spiritual gifts are great, but let me tell you about something even greater, love. So you guys want something even greater than spiritual gifts? Yeah. So I am here as the second speaker for Blue Water Summer of Love. And um, we'll start with the first slide. Oh yeah, I don't have the clicker. Huh? <laughs> I'll just, Dan will just cue us. Okay, so um, this is a familiar passage that many of us have heard before, but I wanna focus on 1 Corinthians 13 today. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So what we hear in this passage is spiritual gifts are great. We want as many gifts as the Lord would want to give us, and we want his power. But without love, we're just going to be like a noisy gong. Without love, all these gifts and what we will do will amount to nothing. And I'm sure if I took a survey here, every single one of us would want to experience love and we would want to give love. Amen? Unfortunately, it's easier said than done. Being in a loving relationship brings out the best of us and it brings out the worst of us. And it's the people that we love the most that often see our ugliest sides. I know I am very, very loving when I'm alone. 
somehow, when you put me with people like myself, people who are broken, people who are sinners, then love becomes very challenging. And when you see people often, like family or people that you live with or work with, mature love is even more challenging. And that's, um, next slide, the, the way that 1 Corinthians describes love is very beautiful. It's usually, you know, many times we hear it in weddings, love is patient and kind, and we're like, oh, how beautiful. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Doesn't that sound beautiful? But like I said, easier said than done. And if we really are honest, and I'll be honest up here with all of you today, I am actually the opposite of all these things. My natural tendency is the opposite. And it's more like Brenda gets impatient, jealous, rude, and boastful. She gets irritated and remembers wrongs committed against her. And she wants to give up when it gets hard. Can you relate? Yeah. I remember early in my staff years when I was facing a big disappointment with the IB staff team. Yes, there are many conflicts that happen even among leaders. I was so hurt, I was so mad, and I was telling Angel, I said, oh, you gotta pay attention to my sermon today because you know me now, much older, I'm a little more refined, my sin is a little bit more hidden. But when I was younger, it was kind of out there. And so I blurted out when we were having this kind of like disappointment. I'm like, forget it, forget it, I don't want to love anymore, it's too hard, it hurts too much, I'm out of here. Have you been there? Unfortunately, I have a good rep. When it gets hard, I want to run. And another team member that was present when I was blurting out all this good stuff, she said, Brenda, if you stop loving, you are making a decision about your faith. It left me speechless. She was telling me that love was the center of our faith in God, and if I give up on love, I'm going to give up on God. So guess what? I didn't want to go to hell. So I had to jump back in and start loving again. And today, I want to talk about mature love. And by mature love, I mean going beyond a good feeling. You know, you hear a nice song like, oh yes, I love. You hear, um, you watch a movie, oh, that's great. But mature love is more in the nitty gritty. Next slide. Mature love is the kind of love that keeps on going even when we want to stop loving and give up. And that's what I want to talk about today. The kind of love that keeps on going when we want to stop and give up. And this is a supernatural kind of love. The love that only God can give us. And we want supernatural gifts. We want to see people healed. We want supernatural prophecies. But love is something that we need supernatural power for. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us with love, and that's the only way that we can love this way. And that's why that song is awesome. Holy Spirit, come. When you're in that moment and you can't love, you could just blurt out that prayer or sing the song. Holy Spirit, come. Have you ever felt hopeless about a relationship and want to give up? Maybe you're in a relationship now, and it seems impossible. 
and you want to cut that person out of your life. I'm Asian, if you can tell. And unfortunately, in Asian culture, that's what happens. A lot of the relatives are like, oh, we don't relate to that person anymore. We just get into a conflict, and we want to just say, you're out of my life. And unfortunately, it goes beyond Asians. In the Christian world, we want to do that. And unfortunately, the statistics on divorce for Christians is about the same as for non-Christians. When it gets hard, we want to run and go do something else. What if you're living with ministry partners? You're called to a ministry, you're living with ministry partners, which often people tell you not to do. I think it's because when you live together, you got to really work on your stuff. So there's nothing wrong with it. But if you don't want to work on your stuff, then don't live together. But what if you're living with ministry partners and realize you don't want to live together anymore because you, you just don't feel like you can, but then you're still called to the same ministry and you're expected to work together. And that might be how you might feel if you're married. I don't want to live with this person anymore. We have our children. We go to our church. We're stuck. Well, I'm single, and it happened to me three times. So I was living with ministry partners, and we, I didn't feel like we could live together anymore. And it was kind of like a divorce. We, we kind of lived separate in separate places. But unfortunately, I still felt called to InterVarsity, and then we had to work together. So we needed the Holy Spirit and God's supernatural intervention. And um, I just want to share the first story. It's kind of colorful. And um, you get a little picture of how it was about 25 years ago. <laughs> I, was moved, I moved to Hawaii about 24 years ago, ready to help restart the ministry of InterVarsity. There was like two students. And I moved out with two other people from California. I was in my mid-30s. And you might not have heard too much about this, but being single was really rough for me because all my friends were getting married, and then my college students were getting married, and I was always feeling like, hello, God, what about me? I've been praying about getting married since I was young, since I was a teenager. And every time God would give someone else um, a spouse, and many of my roommates got married, so it was almost like a joke. You want to get married? Live with Brenda. You'll get married. Um, I was getting really bitter. I'm like, what is with God? I'm praying about marriage, but he keeps get letting everyone else get married. Even my young students are getting married, and I'm still single. And so when I moved out of here at the end of my first year in ministry, I faced my worst nightmare. So I came out with two staff partners. It was a male and a female, and we all lived together in the same house. So towards the end of our school year, they shared with me that they had the talk. And now they were together. They actually knew each other for 10 years, so it sounds like a quick story, but they're kind of like heading towards marriage. And so this was around April, and they were kind of saying, well, we're kind of thinking we might get married in August. So you can imagine it was my worst nightmare. I did not feel ready for it. As a matter of fact, I was kind of noticing that they had some chemistry and you know, 10 years before that, they kind of dated their friends all this time. So I'm like, do you like each other? Do you like her? Do you like him? And they would always say, oh, no, no, no. We're just friends. And so when I found out that they had the talk, they're in a relationship, and they were even probably going to get married, I was so angry. And, you know, when you're angry, you might not make sense. And I'm kind of like, how can you get together? You did not warn me about this. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for you guys to get married. And... 
I cannot live with you anymore. And I was really dramatic. I'm like, I can't have you two having sex in one room and I'm alone by myself in the next room. <laughs> and so we had kind of a big conflict because then they're all sad. They're like, Brenda, you're our ministry partner. Why can't you be happy with us? This is the happiest moment of our life. And so the worst came out. I went to sleep. I, I'm like, I can't work with you. I don't trust you because I can't believe you because you say you don't like each other and now you're getting married. And they were so hurt by me. And so when I went to sleep that night, I kind of like stayed up for a while. I wasn't really ready to move out of Hawaii because I just got here. And I thought about leaving university and doing another job, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't have me. So as I was staying up all night, I felt like God was giving me another idea. Maybe I could just move out of the house. And so in the morning after my very dramatic night, I said, you know what? I'm going to stay with University in Hawaii. And they were kind of like shocked, like you just told us you couldn't work with us, you couldn't live with us. I said, well, I'm just going to move out to an apartment under a freeway with a bunch of cockroaches while you guys have your new leeway pad. <laughs> and they said, wait, you just told us you couldn't work with us. And we're still hurt that you can't rejoice with us. So we had to reconcile our small little team of three we were new to the island, so we didn't have anyone to mediate with us. So we kind of put ourselves in this little cottage for a whole day to work it out. And this lady would come in at different times with tea and cookies. And every time she came in, someone different was crying. <laughs> so it was not a beautiful picture of love. But praise the Lord for supernatural things. The Holy Spirit intervened. <clears throat> I faced my own brokenness. I admitted where I was wrong, and I forgave my friends, and they were honest about their brokenness, and they forgave me. We decided we could still work together, and that summer, we all went to counseling. <laughs> they got married at the end of the summer, and praise God, I didn't have to live under the freeway with cockroaches. God provided two um, Christian roommates, and I lived on top of a really beautiful hill. And so I'm just sharing you that as a little miniature picture. And I had two other situations, living with Ivy staff, and I thought I could never live with these people again, or they thought they could never live with me again. But both times, God helped us reconcile and come back together, and we ended up living together again. And so this couple that I was just talking about, they had a baby. Another guy came. We ended up moving back together for a number of years. And that baby that they had just graduated from college, and we're still very close friends. So God is at work, and in other two situations, God reconciled us, and we're back together. And can't tell all those stories. But next slide. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's verse 7. That's what mature love is all about. We need the Holy Spirit to have this type of love where we do not lose faith where we can hope when it seems like there is no hope, where we can have a good picture of our future when it looks impossible, when we believe that God can heal us of our pain and our brokenness and take us through extreme situations that seem impossible. Anyone can love in a perfect situation when anyone showers us with love and agrees with everything that we say. But what about pressing through those difficult times? When your own brokenness clashes with their brokenness, when your sin clashes with their sin, and it seems impossible. Next slide. 
Let me read it again. Love is patient and, sly, and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And I just want to say this is supernatural, and we are a church that believes in the supernatural. So I want to challenge us, Blue Water, to live out a kind of love that's not just like, hi, I'm having coffee, how you doing? Fine, great, I'm smiling, I love you, you love me. But the kind of love that goes deep and goes forward even when it gets messy. It's hard to be patient and kind, and it's very easy to be jealous and boastful. We all want our own way, and we all get irritated, especially when things don't go our way. God is the source of this type of love, and if we know that we are loved by God, we can be free to love others. So what Larissa, my Chinese sister, said last week is really important. We need to know God's unconditional, compassionate love that celebrates us. And only when we are filled with God's love can we love others. As God fills us, that's when we can be patient and kind. As God fills us, that's when we can let go of our irritation. We're not alone. He fills us. Only with God is it possible to not keep a record of being wronged. And it's our natural tendency to hold grudges, especially against those who hurt us. But the good news is that Jesus didn't do that. Jesus is someone who chose to forgive those who betrayed him and killed him. Jesus chose us and he chose to love us unconditionally. He did not hold the wrongs that we committed against him him against us, but he chose to die for us, to take our place, to allow us to be made right with God, to forgive us, and to make us right in our relationship with God. And as um, you might have heard around in Blue Water, God would rather die than hold something against us. So last week, Larissa talked about Luke 15, the picture of the generous father who embraces his son and welcomes him back in relationship after the son took the father's resources and squandered it. And that would be a great time for the father to say, forget you, you took all my money, we'll associate from a distance. No, he, he embraced him, he even threw a party for him. And so forgiveness is about letting go of the wrong that was done to us, even though we might deserve to hold it against someone, but we're choosing to let it go. Next slide. Love keeps no record of being wrong. Oh, yes, there you go. <laughs> and forgiveness is a word that really is found only in the Bible. I got my master's in counseling along the way, and in the whole two years, or actually it took me five years, in the two-year program of counseling, they, they don't have any basis for forgiveness. They might say, let it go. But really, forgiveness is only found in the Bible because it's God's forgiveness of us that is the only reason that we can forgive others. And in Matthew 18, we're not going to read it, but Matthew 18, 21 to 35, Jesus tells a story about the unforgiving debtor. How one man was forgiven a huge debt, like a million dollars, yet he was unwilling to forgive someone of a smaller debt, like a few hundred dollars. 
And I believe that this is a picture of us. God has forgiven us of that million dollar debt. And if we cannot forgive our brothers and our sisters and the people around us of things that they've committed against us, then we are not letting go of that debt that's only hundreds of dollars. And if we do not forgive people, it's going to affect how much we know of God's forgiveness. Are you in a relationship that seems like it's in a standstill? Do you, ne do you need to let go of a wrong done against you and forgive that person as God has forgiven you? What would it look like for you to be proactive in love? We see in 1 Corinthians, love is not boastful, proud, or rude. Will we be courageous to ask God, what part do I have in this relationship that has gone sour? What part have I played to make it bad? What part have I played that needs to be corrected? Will we be courageous to ask God to show us what is the sin, what is the weakness, the brokenness in our own life that's blocking us in our relationship with those around us? Is there something that God wants to show us that he wants to change? A team that I was leading in a summer missions trip, and that's actually a really good way to have a lot of conflict. You're in another culture, you're, you're like hot, you don't know what you're doing, and just so you get mad at each other. So if you can survive living together, then you could, might try taking a summer missions trip. Um, my team was offended by this other girl on another team, and I thought, okay, we're in Mexico. I thought, okay, I'm gonna have some good conflict resolution. We don't want this to just be quiet. Let's be honest about the situation. So I thought I would be loving by telling them about, um, telling this person why my team was so offended by her. So that she would know and then she would not be so offensive. Sounds like a good plan, right? That's what I was thinking. Um, so I did that. I told her and um, I felt good because I thought this girl is gonna change her ways and my team will get along with her. But when I got home, my boss, found out about this and she challenged me and she corrected me and she said, Brenda, why, did not, why didn't you have your team buy flowers for this girl? Jesus says, love your enemies. I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that. And she goes, didn't you think it was unfair the way that you confronted her, me being a staff person and her being a student? And so she told me something that ingrained in me for, to this day and I hope that you can receive it too. She says, when you are in any conflict, even if you are 99% right, if you are 1% wrong, you need to take that part that you've done wrong, own it, confess it, and ask for forgiveness. So I took out this young student to lunch and I asked for forgiveness. I, I apologized and it's kind of funny. Years later, she came on staff. I still know her today. But you never know what God is gonna do. And um, once you get used to kind of like seeing yourself as a sinner, then when your weaknesses are pointed out, you, you're just kind of like, okay, I agree with you, God. And maybe you'll say, okay, I agree with you, person. This is what I want, um, this is what I want God to change me in. And this is the path to mature love, to ask God to reveal to us, not just to blame someone else, the ways that we contribute to this broken relationship. You know how they always say it takes two to tangle. We need to let go of our pride 
confess the ways that we have sinned, and ask for forgiveness. It's easy to blame others, but is God wanting to show us something about our own character? Next slide. If we are willing to love by being humble in our relationships, God will restore and mend our relationships. And there have been numerous times that God has called me to take the humble path, to just listen to someone's complaints about the ways that I have offended them and been hurt by them. Just listen and then ask for forgiveness. And sometimes I feel like, I want to speak, I want to say this, I want to say that, but God says, no, be quiet, take the humble road, listen and ask for forgiveness. Not justifying why it happened, but choosing to understand where the other person is coming from more than explaining my own actions. And I think that's what love is talking about. Not focusing on yourself, but the other person. It's in those times when I choose love by owning the things that I've done that are hurtful and apologize, not focusing on just what is right, that God also begins to heal those relationships. I was in a huge conflict with someone, huge meaning like it was me and this person, we had to have two of our friends mediate with us like more than once, I don't even know how many times. We even had to have a Catholic priest mediate with us, we would go on and on and on. One day a godly friend of mine said to me, Brenda, if you want to, if you, if you let go of being right, the drama will stop. So I prayed about it and I let go of being right. I let go of defending myself. I let go of wanting to be understood. I took the humble path. I just listened and I let go of being right and my friend was right. The drama stopped. And I wanna share a verse, the next slide, that is helpful for me when I am in that place of misunderstanding, when I feel like there's a lot I wanna say but that person's never gonna get it. First Peter 2, 20 to 23. But if you suffer for doing right and are patient beneath the blows, God is pleased with you. This suffering is all part of what God has called you to. Christ who suffered for you is your example. Follow in his steps. He never sinned and he never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. When he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. And if we can forgive, if we can identify with Jesus, if we can know that he understands us and it's okay to be misunderstood, our relationships will be transformed. If we can forgive, if we can ask for forgiveness, we can experience mature love. In each of those impossible situations where I was living with people and never thought I could live with them again, God restored us and we lived together a second time. And it was great. And today, many, many years later, we're still very, very close friends. Next slide. First Corinthians ends with this verse, these verses. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child. But, I, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything perfect in clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. 
but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. These three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Today, I believe that God is calling us, Blue Water, to grow in mature love. He is calling us to let go of our childish ways. Will you say yes and respond to God's mature love? Will we be that kind of ohana that can keep our friends? Not saying, well, we used to be close, now I gotta find some new friends. Oh, I used to be in this church, but they offended me, so now I'm going to another church. Will we be that kind of church that will allow God to push us forward, not into childish, immature ways, but into mature love, where we can say, you know what, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna ask the Lord to show me my sin, my weaknesses, my brokenness. I'm gonna ask the Lord to help me forgive this person. And there's, there's a lot more I could say because I'm only kind of like given a small amount of time. There's a lot I wanna say about you know, relationships that might be abusive or hurtful that you have to set boundaries for. So I'm not saying if this person slaps you around, you have to forgive them and get in that place where you get slapped around again. No, I'm not talking about that. But there's something in your heart that can be um, healed of that bitterness. Um, I want to call the worship team up and I want to invite us into a time of reflection to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us are there people that um, we need to forgive? Are there things in our lives that we need to um, bring to the Lord? I have some questions up here. And if you feel like it's hopeless, that's okay, because it's the supernatural power of God that brings us supernatural love. And as we really love the way that Jesus would love, that's how the world would see that he is real as we love one another. So the first question is, are we leaving the supernatural power of God out of our relationships and just loving in a way that is safe and not supernatural? Second question is, who do you need to forgive? We can only forgive as we know that God has forgiven us. And then the third question is, are we in a hopeless, broken relationship because we are proud and unable to see the ways that we have sinned and contributed to this broken relationship? So what I wanna do is lead us in a time of prayer and have the Holy Spirit deal with our hearts. And then after that, um, it's a really exciting day because we're going to have communion and um, we're going to go into communion knowing that Jesus forgives us and that we can forgive others. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to come. Lord, you are the one that can speak to us and we invite you, Lord, come with your supernatural discernment and wisdom. Show us, Lord. Are we going shallow in our relationships because we are not depending on your supernatural mature love? Lord, show us if there's anyone that we need to forgive, that we try to avoid. Show us, Lord, if there's anything in us that is broken that we need to confess and ask for forgiveness. So I'm gonna give us a moment of silence and invite the Holy Spirit to show us people ways that we need to be forgiven by God, ways that we need to forgive others.
And Lord, we receive your supernatural love. We acknowledge that without you, we can do nothing. We receive your supernatural love. And if you want to extend your hand out as a symbol to receive the love that God has for you, his unconditional, compassionate love, his love that celebrates you. We receive your love. And Lord, we say yes. We say yes to mature love. We say yes to the kind of love that is impossible in the world's eyes. We say yes to the kind of love that only you can do. And Lord, as you've brought people to our minds that we need to love and not be bitter towards, not to hold grudges against, Lord, we say yes. We want to walk in that way of forgiveness. We want to invite you to help us forgive these people, to remember that you've let us go a million dollars, Lord, and you're calling us to let people go for a few hundred. And we say yes, we want to go in that way of forgiveness. And Lord, search our hearts, Lord, and we confess our pride, we confess our uh, self-centeredness, and we say, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for the ways that we blame others. Forgive us for the ways that we want to say it's their fault, and we're not willing to own that 1% or that 99%. And Lord, we want to bring to you these broken areas. We want to say, yes, we believe in your supernatural power. We believe in your supernatural love. And Jesus, we thank you that your love was poured out to us as you died on the cross as you died even for things that you did not do wrong as you are an example lord of pouring out love being misunderstood being rejected being betrayed thank you for your love thank you for your forgiveness thank you that you make it possible for us to forgive others and lord as we celebrate you today in communion remember your body that was broken for us your blood that was shed for us for our forgiveness of sins, your body that was broken for us to be healed and whole. Lord, we say yes. We say yes, we want to receive your wholeness. We say yes, we want to receive your forgiveness. We say yes, we want to bring your wholeness and forgiveness to those in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.